Business in the Okanagan Matters. This is Law Talk with lawyers Clay Williams and Tanvir Gill from FH&P Lawyers, LLP. They talk business and take your questions at podcast at fhplawyers.com. Now, here's Clay Williams. Welcome to another edition of FH&P's Law Talk. I'm Clay Williams. I'm a partner at FH&P, and with me is Tanvir Gill. How are you doing today, Tanvir? Great. Thanks, Clay. It's kind of awkward today because uh, we never told our producer, uh, Ryan Tutis, that um, we were having a a special guest today. And so Tanvir and I actually have to uh, share a microphone. And uh, it's a little, little awkward. But the nice thing is that she's trying to grab it right now. Like I can say things about you and, and it's pretty tough for you to, 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 to say anything back in any event. We've got a great show for you today and um, we've got a special guest. Do you want to introduce her? Yes. Welcome, Jen Schurz. You are here for the second time, I want to say. Yes. Okay. And Jen is amazing. She is working in our wills and estates department. Um, She is the same call as I am. So we're little five-year lawyers. And something very special about Jen is that she has her TEP and we're so proud of her for that. What is a TEP? It's a trust and estate practitioner designation. So essentially I am certified and qualified to deal with all matters relating to trusts and estates. Yeah. And one of you, because I don't think there's a ton of you running around Kelowna. I don't think so. I've only run across one or two. Yeah. So I wanted to have you as a guest on our uh, podcast today because I actually had something so odd come across my desk in the last month or so. And I swear you probably know because you probably heard me screaming with confusion from my office. But What happens if you have a contract and it's an enforceable contract, but one of the parties to that contract dies? It's a great question. Yeah. So let me fill Clay in. So there was a contract that came across my desk. I was covering for another lawyer and I don't obviously can't get into details, but essentially huge property, huge purchase price. And we had a buyer that was supposed to purchase and it just got dragged on and on and on. And when we thought, you know, it might not even move forward, he allegedly, I want to say allegedly died. So (laughs) that's what happened there. And I was like, this has to still move forward, right? Hence the topic. Clay is trying to get the mic for me and I'm going to make it as hard as possible. (laughs) I feel this podcast is actually going very well because we can't talk over each other, but (laughs) I want to talk so badly. So anyway, sorry, uh, Jen, why don't don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what's the legal ramifications in that? Of course. And there's, you know, the classic lawyer answer of it depends. (laughs) It truly depends. But the first place to start is the topic called the doctrine of frustration, which essentially when a contract is frustrated, it's because it's been deemed unable to happen due to some kind of unforeseeable circumstance. Now, you might be thinking, is death an unforeseeable circumstance? Death and taxes. That's the first thing I think. Not unforeseeable. Definitely not unforeseeable. I mean, a death might be unpredicted, but not unforeseeable. And courts have held that death only frustrates a contract where there is some personal aspect of the deceased that was central to the performance of the contract. So, for example, a contract with a performer like Elvis. You can't have someone stand in in Elvis's spot. It was central to having Elvis be the performer. Yeah, that's a personal services contract anyway, I think. uh... I was just trying to help our listeners understand the concept. (laughs) 
Sorry, who's Elvis, Clay? Just kidding. <laughs> it's like from your era, right? I wish I had the mic so I could respond. <laughs> um, so essentially where the obligations are financial only, no personal services contracts, but say purchase of a large commercial piece of real estate. In those circumstances, the deceased still has to move forward with the contract. Or the deceased estate has to move forward. Yes, the deceased estate. And for the listeners, because I know this is going to cause confusion, what do you mean the estate? Is there some individual or is it, is there a contract? Who is the estate? The estate is essentially all of your assets that you own when you die. And you have a person who manages your assets, usually called an executor, if you have a will. If you don't have a will, it's called an administrator. But essentially, it's the same person. Perfect. Okay, so um, what if you die, though, and you don't have a will or you don't have somebody to take care of those assets? How does that work? So in Tanvir's question, this person dies, uh, I guess presumably somebody could step up and be the executor or the administrator. What if that doesn't happen? If that doesn't happen, generally, if it is known that the deceased had assets that need to be dealt with, Either some family member will step up to do it because they want the money or barring there being absolutely no one, this person maybe was a loner, the public guardian and trustee will step into that role as well. I I guess I wanted to know if there was a distinction between, in in Tanvir's um, example, uh, somebody I think was selling property. Uh, and that makes sense to me that somebody would want to step in and, like you say, they, you know, maybe a beneficiary or, you know, want yeah. the money. But what if that person was buying uh, property and passed away? Does does that, the dead person's estate still have to carry through with that contract? Yes, they do. And what if there's nobody to step in and actually carry through with those terms? Then someone generally will have to step in. What would likely happen in that scenario is the seller of that commercial real estate would sue the deceased person and their estate and their unnamed personal representative. So someone will have to step in to take over that role. Let's talk a little bit more about frustrated contracts. So, I mean, obviously death can be seen as frustration of a contract in certain times. Like Jen mentioned, if your contract was to have Elvis perform and Elvis has now passed. What are some other situations that could be taken as frustration? For a deceased person, like I said, it's only where there is some personal aspect where their performance of it was central to the performance of the contract. Yeah. So in Clay's example, if there was a woodworker who could only do one type of joining of the wood and they were the only ones who were able to do that in all of British Columbia, yeah. then that would be a central aspect to that contract. It would likely frustrate it. So one of the things I did want to ask you about is, um, okay, so somebody does step up and they do become an executor of an estate. What are they allowed to do? Are they allowed to go off and purchase real estate or do investments? Or, you know, what are, are the parameters? So one of the first things an executor of an estate has to do is they realize all of the assets. So make sure they know where people bank. They know where the real estate is, just checking mail, checking opening mail. up mail. Yep. Yeah. 
The second thing an executor on their duties they have to do is take care of all debts and taxes. So if they are a party to a contract where they have said, I am purchasing a large piece of commercial property, it is the executor's duty to ensure that that contract is fulfilled, assuming the money is there. Yeah. Well, I was all... All I was going to go on and say is in an insolvent estate where there is no money and say you don't want to be the executor, you don't want to be dealing with all the creditors, you can have a trustee in bankruptcy step in and take over that role under the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act and they will deal with the estate. That's interesting you say that because the trustees that I know want to get paid. So how is a trustee going to get paid if there's no assets? So the trustee in bankruptcy would be, you know, your standard bankruptcy firms or companies that would step in and take over that role and I assume become one of the creditors of the estate. A normal person likely wouldn't want to take on that role because they would not be getting paid. How taxing is it to be an executor? Great question. And again, it kind of depends on the complexity of the estate. So if you have a simple estate, grandpa had two bank accounts, didn't own real estate, didn't own cars, basically kept to himself and just had those two bank accounts, it'll be a very easy estate to administer, not very taxing. If you have, you know, your brother who had a partnership, two companies, and he was leaving one partnership, joining another one, and was in the middle of both of them when they passed away, yeah. That could be incredibly complex and incredibly taxing. And if you do step as, up as an executor, are you on your own or would there somebody like you be able to assist through that process? Someone like me, a lawyer who practices in a state law, would definitely be able to assist and it's highly recommended to get that assistance. Okay, I do have another question just along the lines of being an, an executor. So usually a person will appoint an executor in a will. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that person have to be the executor or can they say no? They are fully allowed to say no. You cannot force anyone to be your executor. And, and it just seems like there's a lot of work involved uh, especially I guess if there's assets and debts and squabbling beneficiaries and what uh, ex-wives who knows but um, uh, is there any upside to being an executor short answer not much it's a lot of work you can take executor fees which is a maximum of five percent of the value of the estate assuming the beneficiaries agree on that five percent value but you get taxed at your marginal income tax rate on those executor fees. And I guess just how, how much work is the executor doing as opposed to what, what you're doing? Is, uh, is most of the work the legal side or most of the work the executor? Most of the work in applying for the grant of probate itself is the legal side of things. Any work beyond that, so listing a house for sale, clearing out the contents of the house, moving all the bank accounts into one account, selling cars, selling assets. That's all the work of the executor. 
So I guess think think hard about being an executor, I guess, is, yeah. the, is the takeaway. Exactly. Okay, Jen, thanks so much for coming uh, onto our podcast for the second time. I know you probably want to get home to little Maverick, which is Jen's adorable dog, um, who sometimes comes into the office. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. FHMP lawyers are rooted in community and ready to help. Send your business law questions to podcast at fhplawyers.com.